you find your place, if you'd like to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God tonight, I welcome you to do so. Numbers chapter number 35, verse number 9. God will give me liberty, if you will give me liberty tonight. I know beyond any shadow of a doubt the Lord has blessed me. He's anointed me to praise, anointed me to study. God's given me some beautiful things, and one of the most beautiful pictures of the grace of God and salvation that you'll find in the Word of God, Numbers chapter number 35 and verse number 9. It's interesting that you'll find this right in the midst of the laws of God. Numbers chapter number 35 and verse number 9, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye be come over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee thither, which killeth any person at unawares. That means accidentally. Verse number 12, And they shall be in you cities of refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation in judgment. Of these cities which ye shall give six cities, shall ye have for refuge. And ye shall give three cities on this side, Jordan, and three cities shall ye give in the land of Canaan, which shall be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be a refuge both for the children of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them, that everyone that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. And if he smite him with an instrument of iron so that he die, he is a murderer, and the murderer shall surely be put to death. And if he smite him with throwing a stone wherewith he may die, and he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. Or if he smite him with a hand weapon of wood, whether he may die, and he die, he is a murderer. And the murderer shall surely be put to death. The revenger of blood himself shall slay the murderer when he meeteth him and shall slay him. But if he thrust him of hatred or hurl at him by lying in wait that he die, or in enmity smite him with his hand that he die, he that smote him shall surely be put to death, for he is a murderer. And the revenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meeteth him. But if he thrust him suddenly without enmity, or have cast upon him anything without laying in wait, or with any stone, or whether a man may die, seeing him not, and cast it upon him, that he die. He was not his enemy, neither sought his harm. Then the congregation shall judge the slayer and the revenger of blood according to these judgments. And the congregation shall deliver the slayer out of the hand of the revenger of blood. And the congregation shall restore him to the city of his refuge, whether he was fled. He shall abide it, it unto the death of the high priest, which was anointed with the holy oil. But if the slayer shall at any time come without the borders of the city of his refuge, whether he was fled, and the revenger of blood find him without the borders of the city of his refuge, and the revenger of blood kill the slayer, he shall not be guilty of blood, because he should have remained in the city of his refuge until the death of the high priest. 
But after the death of the high priest, the slayer shall return into the land of his possession. If God will help me tonight, I'll do my best to just expound this scripture and talk to you on the subject of the city of refuge. Deuteronomy chapter number 19 and verse number 3 says, Thou shalt prepare thee a way. That means to build a road, to make a, a way of going into the city and divide the coast of the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee to inherit unto thee parts that every slayer may flee thither. And this is the case of the slayer which shall flee thither that he may live. Whoso killeth his neighbor ignorantly whom he hated not in time past is when a man goeth into the wood with his neighbor to hew wood and his hand fetcheth a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree and the head slippeth from the heave and lighteth upon his neighbor and he die. He shall flee unto one of these cities and live, lest the avenger of blood pursue the slayer while his heart is hot and overtake him because it is a, the way is long and slay him, whereas he was not worthy of death, insomuch as he hated not him not in time past. Leviticus chapter 24 and verse number 17 says, He that killeth any man shall surely be put to death. And he that killeth a beast shall make it good, beast for beast. And if a man cause a blemish in his neighbor, as he hath done so, shall it be done to him, breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he hath caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done unto him again. In order to balance the scales of justice and judgment in God's economy and to discourage intentional malicious behavior, God's law demanded an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a life for a life. But right in the midst of God's laws, right in the midst of many of the ordinances in the Levitical priesthood instruction that God's given in the Word of God, in this place in Numbers chapter number 35, God here shows pure grace and pure mercy. The laws of God in a covenant made a provision for six cities of refuge to provide safety and shelter from the wrath and the judgment of the avenger of blood who would execute those who've murdered or those who have killed and broken the law of God and cleansed the land of blood guiltiness. Six cities, the number six in the Word of God is the number of man. And six cities represent the number of man. And sinful, unregenerate man is the one who would need refuge from the judgment of the avenger of blood. Who would need a city to allow a space of grace so that the elders of the people may make a judgment as to whether the death was intentional or pure? Purely by accident with no malice and no ill intent. Who would need this city? 
This city was created as a provision for those who suddenly found themselves in the horrifying realization that they were responsible for the death of an innocent individual. No intentional premeditated murder. But by virtue of some overwhelming tragedy, they found themselves an unwilling participant in the shedding of innocent blood. God help us, Flint Hill Baptist Church, tonight to understand that every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl seated in this building tonight is guilty of the blood of Jesus Christ because of our awful sin nature. The sin nature in us causes us to want what we want at any cost. You better understand tonight that if you had been in the Garden of Eden, just like Adam and Eve, you would have done exactly what they did. You would have done exactly the way they did because you wanted to do it. But do you understand tonight that as awful as the crucifixion of the sweet Lord Jesus is, as bloody and as gruesome as the crucifixion is, I could not paint the picture tonight of what the crucifixion was like. If the sweet Lord Jesus, the way he was beaten in Pilate's hall, and the way Herod and his men beat, blasphemed and mocked the Son of God, if Jesus... Jesus Christ, before he ever made it to the cross, were to walk down the center aisle of Flint Hill Baptist Church tonight, there's not a lady in this building that could stand to look at him, the way his vestige was marred, the way he was beaten in the stripes that were laid open on his back. The Word of God said his beard was plucked from his face. And do you understand tonight that if you and I had been those pious religious Jews that stood in Pilate's hall and said let his blood be upon us and upon our children we would have done the same thing they did because their flesh did not want to be in subjection to God and tonight in your mortal man your mortal flesh does not love God Your mortal flesh does not love the things of God. And I I can't help it tonight if this offends you and this hurts your feelings. But tonight as we sit here, each and every individual in this room tonight is guilty of the blood of Christ as much as if you had held those nails while that Roman soldier beat them into his hand. And listen, I'm afraid tonight folks don't understand how guilty we are. Folks don't understand what kind of a position that we're in tonight. Christ bore the sins of the entire world. Every bit of the depravity, every bit of the perversion, every bit of filth that humankind could come up with. The sweet Lord Jesus carried that on the cross to Calvary and he did it for us. And we are guilty. A lot of people presumptuously assert tonight that just one drop of blood from Jesus Christ would wash away all sin. But tonight, do you know what one drop of Jesus' blood would do for you? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. 
you study the Levitical law, you'll find out that the laws that God gave Moses, when they made a sacrifice, a portion of the blood that came from that animal was taken and put on their fingers and was put on the horns of the altar, Brother Wesley. And then the Word of God said, A-L-L, all of the blood was poured out at the base of the altar. And when the Son of God hung on Calvary's cross, the Lord Jesus Christ gave every single precious, holy, sinless drop of His blood to pay for my sin and for your sin. And see, one of the great problems we have tonight is that men and women cannot see tonight that you and I are guilty of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. One day... I found myself because of the Word of God and because of the Holy Spirit, I found myself guilty before God. Let me help you with something today. The Word of God said that those who can flee to the city of refuge and find refuge there were those who did not maliciously, with hatred and with malice, slay somebody by the means of murder. It was for somebody who did not intentionally do what they did. But one day I found out I was guilty before God. And when I found out I was guilty, in my heart I did not mean to hurt God. In my heart I did not understand my rebellion. I did not understand my selfish motives. I did not understand my self-serving ways. I didn't know I was hurting God. Miss Dawson. I didn't know I was hurting anybody. And the reason that men and women have to get under the load of conviction that they get under is to let folks know that, hey, somebody's been offended and somebody's a holy God and we are the one that's offended him. But when I began to see that I'd hurt God, don't you know it made me sorry, Brother Jody, that I'd hurt God. It broke my heart that I realized that I was lost and I was unregenerate before God. And some of you have found your own selves in the position of being sorry because you know you hurt God. But being sorry don't cure the problem. Just being sorry that you've hurt God don't cure the problem. It don't fix what's wrong. And being sorry does not appease the avenger of blood. When a man slew another man, Miss Lori, he could have looked at the avenger of blood and said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it. But it has still died the death, Preacher Wesley. What did a man have to do? Boy, I bless God. I bless His sweet holy name. When I found out I was guilty, that there was a city of refuge that I could run to and get to that city where there was some safety. There were six cities of refuge located according to the providential hand of a holy God that ensured that no matter where you were geographically inside the nation of Israel, you were always less than one day journey from a city of refuge. You are all 
always in a position as long as you were in Israel where you could go to a place and get you some help. God gave instructions to the people to prepare a way. Jewish history tells us that the primary roads that entered into the cities of refuge were designed and engineered in such a way that they removed the hills. Every river had a bridge built over them. Every curve had a sign that pointed the way. And the width of the road was 32 cubits wide. A cubit is a span from an adult man's elbow to the end of his middle finger. Averages between 17 and 22 inches. At an average of 19 and a half inches, a road that was 32 cubits wide, Brother Jody, was a road that was in excess of 50 feet wide. As big as a four-lane highway. You say, why in the name of heaven would they make a road going to the city of refuge so big and so wide so a wayfaring man and a fool wouldn't lose his way so somebody as simple as a little child wouldn't have any trouble finding their way to a place where they could get help. But if you hadn't have been smart, I wouldn't have got in. If you had to have money, I wouldn't have got in. But God made the road big enough and he put up enough signs that a fool like me could find my way to Calvary. Praise God. I'll bless his name. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to give you something for this book tonight. If you've got it in you, listen. Boy, there's some beautiful things in here, the cities. And in particular, the city of Hebron, which was a city of refuge, had tall towers. There were watchmen that sat in those towers that were trained to spot a desperate man at a great distance. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying before a man ever found out he had a need, the city had already made preparations and started looking to see if somebody had a need. Boy, thank God 2,000 years ago, God was looking because he knew there was going to come a day that I had a need. And when that man that sat in that tower saw someone making their way toward the city, you know what they did? They took two young students of the law and they appointed them to be escorts and they'd run out and meet him. They'd accompany that man to help him find his way. That might be mercy and grace. That might be the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. But I believe with all my heart there was two reasons that they went out to meet that man and one of them was to make sure he found his way into the city. Well, thank God God knows how to send some that can point you in the right direction. I mean, God knows how to send a message through the man of God to point somebody in the right direction. God knows how to get your attention with something that will point you in the right direction. But two men went out, and they went for two different reasons. Not only to make sure that man found the right way, but just in case while he was making his way to the city, just in case he was getting getting tired and he was getting weary and he hadn't already made it to the city and the avenger of blood was to sneak up behind him one of those men went out to go and be a mediator between 
those two men and say, hey, could you just hold on long enough for him to get to the city of refuge? And he'd stand between that man that was guilty of blood and the avenger of blood. Boy, I thank God before I ever got saved, Jesus Christ, the sweet son of God, looked at his father now and then and said that and that. I know he deserves to die. Good father, will you just preserve him a little bit longer? I want him. But I thank God for those two young men that went out to help escort in. The city of Hebron, the city of refuge, had an inner wall and an outer wall in that city of refuge. But there was a unique and unusual thing about the city of Hebron. Brother Jody had two massive walls, but the gates to the city of Hebron never closed. Right. Night and day, they were always open. Right. What you to say, what do you mean, preacher? That means if God goes to ring in your bell at about 12, 15 on Sunday morning, the gates are wide open and you can get in the city. But if God goes to ring in your little bell about 12, 30 or 1 o'clock in the morning, you don't have to worry about her being locked up tight. You can still get in any time. Then God calls you to come to him and you get into the city. Just outside the gates of the city was an altar. The only thing that a man had to do when he got to that city of refuge, the only thing a man had to do. Now bear in mind the word of God's done shown him he's guilty. The word of God said if a man kills a man, he's worthy of death. And all this is just because it's an accident, he's took a life. But because it's an accident, there's mercy for him. This man knows he's guilty and he knows he's took a life. But he also knows the Word of God said if you'll come and if you'll do this, there'll be mercy. And outside those city gates, there's a big altar. And what a man would have to do is he'd get outside those city gates... And he'd fall down on his knees and he'd take hold of the horns of that altar and he'd just cry, mercy, mercy, mercy. And then send somebody out to him and they'd bring him into the elders of the city. And that man would have his case tried and he'd be able to be heard and the avenger of blood would not be able to touch him. And the Word of God teaches us that a man had to remain inside the city until the death of the high priest. But when the high priest that was anointed with the holy oil died, that man was able to leave that city of refuge and go back home, Brother Wesley, to his possession. You say, Brother Mike, how does that pertain to us? 2,000 years ago, on the muddy banks of Jordan River, John the Baptist was baptizing, and he looked up on the banks of the river... And the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, stepped out on them muddy banks. John looked up and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And the Lord Jesus Christ, a 30-year-old male, after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ was Melchizedek, by the way. And he stepped down into that water. And John said, I have need to be baptized of thee. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, no, but that we might fulfill all righteousness. 
Do you know what Jesus was being baptized for, Brother James? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as a 30-year-old male after the order of Melchizedek was having his ceremonial priestly cleansing. The high priest went down in the water to be ordained a high priest. And what good's a high priest if he ain't got a sacrifice? And then one day, the sweet Son of God hung on Calvary's cross. He hung on that tree and went in, taking his own blood when it was over with. He walked by that place in heaven, not on earth. He walked by the brazen altar. He was the sacrifice. He walked by the brazen labor. He was the water. He walked into that temple, into that tabernacle. He walked by the shoe bread because he was the bread of life. He walked by the golden candlestick because he was the light of the world. He walked by the table of incense because he was the sweet-smelling rose of Sharon. He went directly to the mercy seat and sprinkled his own blood. Once and for all. You say, what's that mean, preacher Mike? You've got to remain inside the city till the death of the high priest. Brother Jody, the high priest died 2,000 years ago. That means when you touch the horns of the altar and you cry for mercy, the Word of God said you can go back home in peace and never have to worry about the avenger of blood ever coming after you again. Let me give you two or three little things before we go to the house tonight. You say, Preacher Mike, there was three of them cities on the east side of Jordan, and there were three of them cities on the west side of Jordan. That east side of Jordan was over there toward Moab, where them Moabites lived. But there were some of God's people on the wrong side of the river. But it made it real easy and real accessible for strangers to be able to get to a city of refuge. And tonight, there are those that sit in this building. You're lost. You know you're lost. And you're guilty of the blood of Christ. And when you go to hell, you're not just going to hell for what you did to your husband, what you did to your wife, what you did to your neighbor, what you did to yourself. You go to hell because of what you did to Jesus. And there are cities of refuge on the wrong side of Jordan. But, Miss Nita, there are cities of refuge in the land. Canaan land is a type of the victorious Christian life. You say, what are you saying, preacher? When you go to the city of Hebron, outside the city gates, there's that brazen altar. But there's two sets of gates and there's two walls, an inner wall and an outer wall. But when you get to that inner wall, Miss Drew, on the inside of the city, there's another altar. What are you saying, Preacher Mike? I'm saying there's times that you may be in the family. You may be in the city. You may be cleansed and you may be clean and you may be forgiven. But there's going to be times you're going to mess up. Guess what? You're going to need to get back to the altar. You're going to need to get back to the place where this thing started at. 
You know what I find myself from time to time needing to do? I need to get back where I started from. And if you've ever really been born of the Spirit of God, you know how to get where you started from. It starts with humbling yourself before God. Now I'm telling you tonight, I know without any shadow of a doubt, there's somebody in this building tonight, the Holy Ghost of God assured me, I came to tell you tonight you're guilty of the blood of Christ. You're guilty. And if you ain't never got a hold of the horns of that altar and cried for mercy, you're going to die and go to hell. You see, there's a lot of folks. Let me show you, and I'm not going to go to Joab in that story. That's another sermon for another day. There's a man by the name of Joab that came to the city of Hebron one day. Joab spent time around Hebron. He spent time around that altar. And Joab was a manslayer. And somehow or another, just because Joab was close to the things of God, just because he was close to the altar, and just because he was close to the king, Joab thought it was all right for him. And there's folks that sit around church all your life. You've been around the holy things of God all your life, but you ain't never got a hold of the horns at the altar, and you ain't never got forgiveness. You ain't never been cleansed, and you ain't never been claimed. Let me, let me just ask you a question. And I thought about a statement Brother Daniel made. It'd be a shame tonight for you to live in Africa all your life and die and go to hell. That'd be a shame. It'd be a shame tonight for you to live in Afghanistan under that foolishness all your life and die and go to hell. That'd be a shame. It'd be a shame you live in San Francisco, grow up around all the debauchery and all the filth and never hear a gospel message, it'd be a shame for you to die and go to hell from San Francisco tonight. But there is no shame and there is no judgment like people who came and sat and walked by the altar Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night and never got a hold of the horns of the altar. God has provided a city of refuge. God's provided a place. You say, what do I do, preacher? Number one, you've got to realize you're guilty. You're a manslayer. You've slain the Son of God. His blood drips from your hands. You may not see it, but it's there, buddy. God sees you every time you take a breath. Guilty of the blood. Guilty of the stripes. Guilty of the thorns. Guilty of those nails. And guilty of that spear in the side of the Son of God. You're guilty. You know what you got to do to get forgiveness tonight? You need to run to the city. Best you know how by faith. Believe what God said about your guilt. But believe what God said about forgiveness for the man that didn't mean to be in that shape. Surely, Miss Francis, you didn't mean to be a lost church member. I mean, you did the best you could do. You did the best you knew how. But I tell you what, the guilt comes in when God shows you you're wrong. And you refuse to ever do anything about it. Miss Carol, surely you didn't mean to be a hypocrite choir member. Surely you didn't mean to. And there was something in your heart that did not understand I'm guilty of the blood of Christ. But when God showed you, you became responsible. 
And what did you do, sis? You run and grabbed the horns of the altar one night and said, God, I'm guilty and I need some help. I'm telling you tonight, just as sure as your name's what it is, somebody sitting in this building is guilty and God has shown you. And the only thing in the world you've got to do is grab the horns of the altar and say, Mercy. There's mercy on a Wednesday night. There's mercy right now. If God's drawing you and God's dealing with you, I'll tell you what I'd do if God spoke to my heart tonight. I'd jump over three rows. I'd knock four people out of my way, and I'd pile up in this altar, and I'd just say, God, I'm doing what your word said do. And God, you said I'm guilty, and I'm guilty. And God, you said if I'd ask for mercy, I'd get mercy. Because God, I ain't meant to be what I been. God, I didn't mean to do what I've done. It wasn't intentional, and I wasn't trying to pull the wool over nobody's eyes, but in the degradation of my flesh, God, I didn't know what a sinner I was till you showed me. Tonight, Jesus Christ is the city of refuge. He's a high tower. He's an altar sacrifice. And He's just waiting for somebody to figure out you've got a problem. You need some help. And he's waiting.